Welcome to Gears Action Growth, shifting business culture one conversation at a time. My name is Christy Moore and I'm joining Dr. Josephine Palermo, whose superpower is to create business cultures that transform organizations team by team. This week, we're talking about bad business culture. And we're back. So how's it going this week, Joe? Oh, I'm good, Christy. How are you? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. Spring. Spring is here in Melbourne and we just got notice um, a few a week ago. Can't count all my days, I think. But yes, we can reopen or non-essentials can reopen in a few Yay! weeks. Yeah. So one of the businesses that uh, you own is a shared workspace, a co-working space. Yes. In the Abbotsford, Richmond area in Melbourne. So a shout out to higher spaces. Yes, absolutely. We are right on the river. It's such a beautiful spot. I can't wait to get back there. And I know that that so many of our uh, members are going to love it there uh, very soon. Yeah, so that's exciting for us today. So today we're talking about bad business culture mm. and specifically what makes a business culture bad and how does someone avoid joining a bad business culture and if a business has a bad culture how would they flip it to good culture so that one might be next week we'll just see how it goes so starting off what prompts us to talk about this today well christy i've uh, had a number of different clients who actually asked me a question about bad cultures because they always end up in organizations where they would describe the culture as being negative and or bad and so I thought that other people might have the same questions about you know why they end up in bad cultures and what to do about it because it can be absolutely crippling and and really devastating for people definitely especially when work is something that we spend so much of our lives and our time in it can really affect the rest of our lives for sure yeah so what are some key attributes that we can identify together for what makes the business culture bad? So Christy, I think before we talk about what makes a business culture bad, let's just describe what a culture is mm. uh, for those people that, that are, are kind of asking the question. So culture is a blend of values, beliefs, norms, it's how things are done in that organisation, it's what's taboo, you know, what are the things that people talk about, what are they not allowed to talk about, what are the symbols, rituals, you know, what stories kind of circulate in an organisation like that. They're those things that really come together to develop and, you know, describe the culture. And culture in particular really drives our way of working the way in which we interact socially in the workplace and also what we focus on, what we reward, what we recognise in others. So it's a really critical aspect because it can have a negative or positive impact on individuals and, and the company as actually in relation to performance, happiness and engagement. So that's culture. So then uh, let's talk about bad culture. Now, we're, we're labelling culture as bad today, but that's really a shortcut way of saying that the culture is ineffective in helping businesses achieve its goals. Because if a culture is having a negative impact, then that's going to lead to negative consequences for the organisation as well. You can't, you can't 
have people aligned and really, you know, going above and beyond to achieve a goal if there's some negative impacts from behaviours and mindsets and the and also ways of working. So, uh, so, so that's why we, we're sort of talking about it as bad. I think it's important to also talk about the impact of culture because many of the people I think working in organisations um, are probably just putting up with culture and or they might be blaming themselves. So that's why I also wanted to talk about bad culture because I want to kind of almost get it out of the uh, taboo uh, place that it's in and and assure people that if they are working in bad cultures, it may be something that they're doing. It might be a perception that they have, but more generally, it's probably not. It's not their fault. It's it, because a culture is made from a collective understanding of the ways things are done in a particular organisation. And that comes from the leaders. It comes from their peers. It comes from other um people in the organisation, it comes from the organisation's history too. Um, and all of those things come together to form culture. So one individual is not necessarily going to be the, the to blame for culture. Having said that though, the CEO or leadership team have an enormous impact on how culture is created and maintained in an organisation. But but that again, it, it's a collective effort, if you like. You know, you, you create culture because of the collective behaviours and beliefs of the people involved. I once heard from somewhere that in organisations that impact of culture is mainly from top down. It's very difficult to go from like bottom up in terms of employees trying to change their culture upwards like good leadership is what is a key attribute of making it good yes it is and it's and and when we when we look at the social science around this there are lots of factors but absolutely shared values and leadership are very important and it is often the ceo or those those people at the the key positions the key executive positions or leadership positions that really drive that in even in smaller organizations where organizations where you have founders uh, you you will see that the founders will really drive the culture of the organisation, and not just with their employees, they'll drive it with their suppliers and also with their with their clients or customers. So they'll create that that environment that people can either thrive in or they can't thrive in. So specifically, what are some really uh, pitfalls of bad business culture, like culture of fear, um, micromanaging? Is there some key commonalities? And, and you know what? Bad cultural descriptions of bad culture will change according to kind of our societal expectations as well because, of course, mm. organisational cultures fit into a, a larger national kind of culture and societal culture. But having said that, I think that as an individual, you know you're in a bad culture when you experience that sinking feeling in your gut, mm. when you, ex you know what I mean? You experience, mm -hmm. it's like a, it's a yeah. feeling. You experience, because maybe you've seen some behavior or you, 
you ex you experience a set of tensions in the organization or in the environment and they just don't sit right with you and that could be a sign that you're in an environment where you can't simply flourish but it doesn't mean that it's a bad culture necessarily it might just be that there's a lack of fit so so we have to kind of acknowledge that but there are some cultures that we call toxic and those toxic cultures are where perhaps behaviors and mindsets are allowed to flourish that are unethical according to most of the kind of I guess societal or national norms around that or perhaps where uh, people are um, really conflicted in in what they see because you, you can see that there are values of fairness, respect, integrity, honesty and courtesy that are just not upheld in that organization. So there are some there are some beliefs, some shared beliefs, some shared norms that are really characteristics of bad culture. And, I, and micromanagement at the leadership level might drive the culture, but it's not, it's a leadership characteristic micromanagement. You can, you can have a leadership characteristic like micromanagement, but the culture isn't bad. It might just be that the nature of work requires a more detailed, uh, you know, su uh, support from that from that supervisor or from that leader. Um, however, what we know uh, is that societal norms are shifting in relation to what people care about and what they need. And so, so you know, you were focusing, I guess, Christy, on micromanagement because a lot of people people today in 2020 really value autonomy. You know, that's a motivational driver for a lot of people. And so we would consider micromanagement as not meeting the needs of most people who want that level of autonomy. But micromanagement may have met the needs of people, you know, 30, 40, 50 years ago, who felt very secure having leaders, you know, give them tasks, tell them what to do, be very supportive in a detailed way around how that task is done. So those things shift with time. Um, but yeah, I think that if we go down to, I. It, when you look at that culture, are you conflicted because your values don't don't align with how fairness, respect, integrity, honesty, and courtesy are applied in that culture? Yeah, you made an interesting point about toxic versus not a great fit. Mm. Um, do you mind just delving a little bit into that, sort of differentiating that on how some people can navigate through whether something's toxic or maybe they're not the right fit? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that uh, where you have uh, a culture that is toxic, it, for me in particular, is where you have an organisational culture that has a leadership style that's very closed, uh, where their feedback loops are are not uh, there so employees can't speak their mind there's a real lack of trust in the organization there's a culture of blame in the organization um, so where dialogue is shut down so anytime you have an, an organization culture where dialogue is shut down or only is the is the privilege of certain people in the organization because that's where you get into clicks for example you will you will have for me a toxic culture because that's where um, that small number of people who are who are 
creating the norms in the organisation are going to create them to benefit themselves. So they may not be, um, they may be uh, exclusive. Uh, they may not be including people who have diverse views. And so you end up with a feeling of alienation from everyone else. I think that, you know, we've expe we've experienced, for example, in the fall of a lot of the big um, financial institutions in Wall Street where those cultures were described as toxic and they were described as toxic because the small amount of people making decisions and, and creating the norms in organisations were driving certain values that were forcing people in a way to behave illegally or to behave scrupulously um, without considering other people around them. So, so I think that those cultures are where you you also get people who don't feel like they can speak up and then you have to get whistleblowers to really break open um, some of what's happening in those cultures. So toxic is on the extreme end. It's, you know, it's where you, you see behaviour where, where people are, ex, you know, dialogue is shut down, but you see behaviour that really is is erring on unethical and illegal. Um, okay. Yeah. I so think it goes that, towards that. I think so, yes. Mm. Yeah. And, and I, you know, we we call it toxic because it makes good press, but, but, um, but toxic, what, what we mean by toxic is if you think about the metaphor, it's, is the environment poisonous? And um, no matter who you are as an individual, if you're in an environment that's poisonous, there's no way you can flourish in that. There's no way that you can influence that. And, and your reactions to that are always going to be either where you feel excluded or you feel like you're forced to do things you don't want to do. And I think that that's kind of where you get into that toxic environment. Bad cultures um, can be toxic as well, but bad cultures are cultures where, you know, I'm talking about where, where there's not a good fit or where the practices are just not a good fit for most people. You know, they're not meeting the needs of people's motivational drives. They're not meeting the needs of their sense of fairness and respect. And people might stay in those cultures because they have other needs that are met. So maybe their need for security is met. You know, they don't want to lose their job. They they um, are being, you know, paid um, well or they need the job to pay their um, obligations, your rent and mortgage or whatever that is. So people, at, oh, and sometimes they'll stay in a, in a bad culture because they might see it as a stepping stone to a career development that path that they particularly want. So people, there's all different reasons why people will stay in a bad culture. It's not necessarily toxic. I, I, I feel like the litmus test for toxic is, are you being forced to do things that you know are unethical or, or illegal or, or just really against your own moral code? Mm. And that's something that we all have to decide for ourselves. Exactly. Yeah. And so how can someone actually avoid joining a bad business culture from the start? I, I think that people don't ask enough questions about the culture when they are in the recruitment phase or onboarding phase of an organisation. So often um, people want to join an organisation or they want a job and they're there as a as a you know potential employee, they're trying to make a good impression. So you'll go to an interview and often 
the people interviewing you will get to know you and they'll ask you a lot of questions. But that's also a really great opportunity for you to ask them a lot of questions. And, and often, you know, at the end of an interview, people will say, well, have, you know, the, the interviews will say, have you got any questions? And people might uh, ask a question about um, uh, remuneration or they might ask a question about what, you know, strategy of the organisation. But, but this is an opportunity to ask a question about the organisational culture. Mm, and that's so true. Yes. And, and you have that, you, you're on the power seat around that because then you can decide whether that organisation is really right for you. Um, I was just listening to a podcast uh, where um, the interviewer was, it's a, it was a TED Daily Talk podcast and the interviewer was interviewing Reed Hastings, who's the CEO of Netflix. And he was describing his culture where it's quite a competitive culture at Netflix. And he he himself said, you know, if you are not the kind of person that likes to be challenged all the time, this is not a great culture for you. So I would expect someone who is going for an interview in Netflix to ask a question about that. What does it mean to to be competitive at Netflix? What what's what's a normal day like in this role at Netflix? How how would you focus on performance and recognition and reward at Netflix? So you can get a sense of what the culture's like and then you can decide whether you really do want to be in a culture that is that values competition highly or not because that's not for everybody. Some people will flourish in that uh, environment and others won't because for, for other people that can be um, quite... Uh, it can have a negative impact, a high competitive culture, and it can and sometimes lead to feelings of insecurity and worth. So uh, just because, you know, certain people have different needs around that. So it may not be right for you, even though uh, in the in an ideal state, you might really be thinking a job at Netflix would be great because they actually pay their staff really well. But is it worth you know, putting yourself in a culture that isn't aligned to you. So a really good question to ask in that situation is how are things done here? Could you give me an idea of what a normal day looks like at Netflix? And also the other question could be on a normal day at Netflix, what what do you care about? And you can ask that of the people who are interviewing you. And that'll give you a really great idea of what they value, um, what are some of the norms of the organisation, because when you ask people, how are things done here in, on a given day, it'll give you an idea of how do they structure work, uh, what do they talk about, how do they uh, manage employees' um, time um, and workflow, and also what do leaders do, you know, what 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 is the activity or behaviour of leaders in that in that day and and for example christy to to the earlier discussion about micromanagement if you ask a micromanager what's what's a normal day for you what do you care about in a normal day they might give you an idea they might in their answer that they are actually very focused on uh, correcting employees work on reviewing employees work uh, on a, in a detailed way that then 
doesn't align with you and you can make a decision about whether you really want that job or not. So you're saying as um, like in potential, potential employees that we're not asking enough questions about the culture really because we have a choice too whether to join them. Yes, absolutely. And maybe sometimes too many of the times people compromise because they just want the job. They do. Yes, they, they want the job. And and I get that. And, you know, that's an imperative. It's, it's, it's very, um, it's a tricky thing. I think, yeah. though, that being aware of a culture can also help you manage a culture, manage yourself in that culture. So if you know what you're walking into, you're going to be less surprised when certain behaviours hit you. And I think that that helps you cope as well and manage your own stress levels. It helps you manage your own sense of identity, sense of your own competency, et cetera. So for, for example, if you know that you're walking into a culture that is highly competitive, then you're going to yourself be a bit more prepared to focus on the things that you know will will help you navigate that culture better in on any given day. So I just think it's better to be prepared, even if it is, even if you feel like you don't have the choice to accept a, a job or not because you need a job, you can still have a, a choice in the way that you prepare for that, the way you set up your support structure. Um, you might need, for example, uh, to be to have some buddies outside of that organisation to to make sure that you're they're giving you a bit of perspective or reminding you that you really are great. You know, they <laughs> can be your cheering squad for you. All of those things will help. It's better to know. So thanks for all that advice, Joe, especially about the asking of questions at the actual interview process about the culture specifically. And I know that that's going to really help a lot of people. The next week, we'll be talking about good culture, the attributes, and if you're a business owner, how you can take your culture to the next level. Thanks, everyone, for joining us, and we'll chat with you next week. Bye. Take care. Bye.